you're listening to Soundwise Podcast, a show hosted by Alex in Serbia and Vlada in Poland. Each week we cover a different artist or band and engage in an open and spontaneous debate and discussion about specific parts of their discographies. Our goal is to expand our musical horizons and cover a great range of artists and styles. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundwisepod and social media at soundwisepod. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Soundrise Podcast. Today we have another episode where you get to choose the artist. And our listeners, our dear patrons have decided that today we will cover the Eagles. And this was suggested originally by our dear patron, Kelly. So Kelly, thank you very much. And also huge shout out to everyone else who has supported us on Patreon. Uh, we cannot express how thankful we are for your support for your feedback for everything that you've done for us so far for keeping us going and so we dedicate this episode to you guys and Kelly thank you very much for such a wonderful suggestion Alexander any words from you first of all good evening Vlada hope you're doing well I'm pretty good really excited about another Patreon episode um you know, our Patreon community is fantastic. They always give us uh, great ideas and they always give us uh, invaluable feedback. So we're really happy about this and ready to delve into this act, Vlada. Take it over. Yes. Yeah, so before we move on, I just want to mention all our dear patrons by name. So Cine, Margaret, Stefan, Kelly, Janko, Andriana... Asha, Stephanie, and David, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for everything. Okay, so without any further ado, let's talk about Eagles. Okay, a big name today, a really big name. One of the best-selling acts of all time. Not sure what we can say about Eagles that is not already known, but before I give you some information about the band... I want to ask my dear friend Alexander, since he's quite younger than me and a different generation, I want to ask him what his experience with Eagles is. All right, Vlada. Um, as you said, I'm quite young and now I'm going to have a typical millennial moment. Um, this is actually the first time that I'm um, discovering the Eagles. Uh, of course, I'm not really talking about those major hits by the Eagles, but obviously uh, they're uh, full records. So uh, this is something very new to me, uh, albeit uh, they do sound like some other bands, or maybe it's better to say that some other bands sound like them. So um, yeah, uh, I think you'll be pretty surprised uh, by my impressions. So uh, uh, first let's do some uh, information, some background on this artist, Vlada. All right, so what's interesting about the Eagles is that the musicians that originally founded the band were already very experienced session musicians or touring musicians. And, for example, Don Hanley and Glenn Fry, the backbone of the band, they met when they both played for the legendary country singer Linda Ronstadt. So this is where the band met uh, 
soon enough they were joined by Bernie Ladden, who was actually suggested by Linda. And Bernie was previously in one of my favorite bands of all time, the Flying Burrito Brothers, led by one Graham Parsons. So that's also another interesting thing. And, and also Ladden was in Dillard and Clark with Gene Clark. So as you can tell, these were very experienced musicians who already worked with great household names. And of course, the last, the fourth original member was Randy Meissner. Uh, he also got to play in Linda Ronstadt's band, and the band went from there. Very soon they had a contract, given that they were very well connected uh, in the music industry. For example, some of their friends were uh, Jackson Brown, uh, J.D. Souther, and so on. And uh, it was relatively easy for the musicians of that caliber to get a contract uh, with a label at that time. So, right from the get-go, this was a very promising act, and they proved to be one of the most popular acts in the 70s, for better or worse. Now, there's a lot of controversy about this. There's some of their peers who are not very fond of the Eagles. For example, David Crosby originally uh, said that Eagles were basically just uh, some kind of diluted version of uh, what Crosby, Stills, and Nash were doing before them, or what the Flying Burrito Brothers with Graham Parsons were doing. And, you know, this kind of thesis is very prominent, I would say, when you talk to a lot of fans of music, but I think it's very erroneous at the same time. And another thing that uh, I find interesting about the Eagles is there's a certain stereotype about them that, in my opinion... Now, dear listeners, let me know if you don't agree with this. In my opinion, there's a certain negative stereotype that started with the movie The Big Lebowski uh, featuring Jeff Bridges. Uh, and in this film, the main character, the dude, has this recurring sentence, I hate the fucking eagles. And as you, as you know, if you've watched the film, he's a huge fan of... Creedence Clearwater Revival. So in his mind, they are like the epitome of cool and the Eagles are the opposite. And I've had this feeling that ever since then, it's been kind of popular to hate on the Eagles. And in the process, a lot of their great qualities have been disregarded. So I will say my opinion here. I think that there's a big reason why the Eagles sold so many millions of records. Why their greatest hits record from 1975 is one of the best-selling, if not the best-selling American record of all time. Um, there is something about Eagles that transcends all these stereotypes and all these rather uh, superficial assessments, even though some of them come from the likes of David Crosby. So... Uh, Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the Eagles kind of burned out by the end of the 70s. They had a huge streak of million-selling albums, number one hits. They were the real deal, you know. Uh, they toured on jet planes. They were a part of a very high L.A. society. And eventually, that 
cut to the band and it caused a lot of strife and conflict which led to, to the band disbanding in 1980. And now the story is that they were doing some kind of show, a benefit show for a senator from California. I forgot the name at the moment. So dear listeners, if you know the name, let me know. And Don Felder, one of the guitar players in the Eagles, when he was responding to the senator's wife who thanked him for participating in the benefit, uh, he said, thank you, I guess. Which, of course, was seen as a huge insult, and that infuriated Glenn Fry, who afterwards basically decided to uh, leave the band and that led to the complete breakup. That was, in a way, inevitable, given that their 70s output required a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, and what happened to them was probably something similar that happened to the Beatles. However, uh, 14 years or 13 years later, they got together again, the last lineup from the 70s, the one that recorded 1979, The Long Run, got together again in 1994, and ever since then, the Eagles have been a touring and recording act again, even though they only recorded one more record in 2008. And there's still a lot of controversy about them. Don Felder, uh, one of the best musicians to ever play in the Eagles, the guy who wrote the, the chords for uh, Hotel California, he had a major dispute with the band, and we all know that, unfortunately, Glenn Fry died four, four or five years ago, and was subsequently, interestingly enough, replaced by his son and Vince, Vince Gill, a country singer. So that's a whole different story now. Um, now that I've bombarded you with information, I want to get on to the first record. So... The debut record from 1972, as I said, prior to that, they were Linda Ronstadt's backing band, and this is where they came into their own. Alexander, before I give you my thoughts on this record, I would like to hear what you thought of this. Was this kind of record right up your alley? All right, Mara, uh, thank you for that fantastic introduction, to be fair, so many uh, great and interesting uh, facts there and information. Okay, so regarding this first record that was released in uh, 1971, I think, or 1972, please correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, it's a really good record in my opinion. Uh, it features some of the hits, but I think that it is good uh, no matter the popularity of, of the songs. Uh, what I'm really fascinated by when it comes to this record is the guitar work. I thought that the guitar, both the rhythm guitar and the solo guitar, uh, the solo guitars were fantastic. Um, it, you can also see that, you can also hear that to be precise with other records, but this record is to me uh, really, really highlighted by, by its guitar. Uh, now, on the other hand, I can also praise uh, the bass work. Uh, the bass guitar, I think here, um, is really good and significantly better than uh, in the uh, subsequent records. 
Um, the only thing that I'm kind of on the fence about is the vocals. Now, in some songs, the singing is really good. And especially when it comes to the backing vocals, which kind of remind me of the Beatles, while the main vocals, the lead vocals, remind me of Blue Oyster Cult in some ways, Mleda. That, that's uh, an odd comparison, I think. Really odd. Uh, so, so wait, in what way? I'm not sure I understood you correctly. Do you like the vocals or not? As I said, Mleda, you're not paying attention. Um, I'm on the fence here because... Oh, you're on the fence? Reason... That's what confuses me. Okay, just go on, go on. I, I, I'll tear yeah, you yeah. apart later. Okay. I, I can't wait for that. Okay, so I like the backing vocals. I think they're great here. A, a really good addition and a great way to uh, to create an atmosphere. But um, the lead vocals, you know, sometimes they sound good. Sometimes I find them, uh, I don't know a bit off-putting if i may okay, say but, but it's four different singers so which one annoys you did you figure that out it's glenn frey um yeah uh, glenn uh, fry glenn fry okay glenn, glenn fry okay it's it's a glenn fry uh Vlada, so yeah uh, i'm not too sure you know it's it's not great in my opinion sometimes it sounds good sometimes i i don't really like it so yeah um that's that's the bit about the vocals uh but the rest of the record pretty good um early bird i think is a song that i've heard before from this album uh, the rest of the album was pretty much unknown uh i uh, i liked the um the song nightingale uh witchy woman also really good um and also some other tracks like take the devil where i really really liked the instrumental work so um, I can't really find too many flaws with this record, Vlada. How about you? Okay, first of all, I have to say I'm kind of shocked that you would find flaws with vocals here. Even though I understand that given that there's four different singers, it's quite normal, I guess, to dislike one of them. In your case, Glenn Fry. I think that Take It Easy, which is the biggest hit on this record, is really well performed by Fry. I think... Uh, his version is fantastic, even though uh, this song was co-written by Jackson Brown, a famous songwriter, one of the great American treasures, so to say, who at the time lived with Fry. And I have to say, I prefer Brown's version, which came out, I think, a few months later. So this is the first version that came out, the Eagles one, even though both uh, Jackson Brown and the Eagles have the ownership of the song. I would urge our listeners, if they know the song but never heard Jackson Brown's version, to check it out, okay? Check out Jackson Brown's version. You're going to love it. But nevertheless, the Eagles arrangement is also awesome. Great vocals, a great start of the record, of the career, right from the get-go, one of the major hits. And then it continues with Witchy Woman, which you mentioned, and I agree 100%, a wonderful song with some fantastic guitar. This is where I really love the guitar work on this one. Uh, also the backing vocals, very dark atmosphere, kind of slick. The backing vocals are absolutely the strength of this band, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we will talk more about it later. And that's the thing. On this record, you have four formidable singers. And... 
it's somehow, you know, it's kind of similar to what Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young had, you know, this kind of four vocal harmony, they're really acing it, you know, three vocal harmonies, four vocal, two vocal harmonies, whatever, they really ace that stuff, maybe not on the same level as Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, because I'm not sure anyone is on that level when it comes to harmony singing, I'm sure some of you guys will disagree, but yeah, uh, so it's definitely a strength. Now, another thing that I really loved about this record, so this is a debut record, but they already sound like a fully formed band, like they know what they're doing, right? Did you have that impression listening to this, that these guys knew exactly what they were doing? Uh, absolutely. Everything was working here, you know, everything was like a well-oiled machine. And to be honest, I was kind of surprised when I found out that this was their debut record. I kind of picked it up and listened to it without thinking, is this a debut record or not? Or, you know, and then I googled it and I found out that it was actually their first record. So well done on that, guys. Yeah, I mean... Uh, of course, they were already experienced musicians, and it really shows. And, you know, I think that a lot of criticism about the Eagles comes from the fact that at times they sounded too professional, almost like they were aiming for success, you know, aiming too much for success. And I think this is why Crosby and some other people criticize them. For example, if you compare them to the Flying Burrito Brothers that also had country rock sound came before them, a couple of years before them, you know, the Flying Burrito Brothers sounded gritty, sounded dirty, you know, sounded edgy. And this is something that's often missing in the Eagles' sound. But I think that that shouldn't necessarily be seen as a huge weakness because they make up for it with wonderful harmonies, uh, superb musicianship, great arrangements. It's never uh, overplayed. Everything fits in. And another great thing on this record is how democratic the band feels. Something that I feel is going to change a bit over the time. But here on the debut album, we have four different singers and songwriters uh, singing. We also have the input from some outside songwriters, like the aforementioned Jackson Brown, who also wrote Nightingale. We have a wonderful song a cover, but I'm not sure if we should call it a cover, more like a reworking, because uh, it was done by Dillard and Clark. The song is called Train Leaves Here This Morning, absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, and it was originally uh, written by Bernie Ledden and Gene Clark, and it first appeared on one of the most overlooked and most wonderful records of the 60s, Dillard and Clark's, um, the first expedition of Dillard and Clark. So this was, I guess, because Bernie owned the song, it was more like a reworking rather than a cover. Uh, and it was a great version as well. Uh, maybe not quite better than the original. I'm a bit partial to the original, but nevertheless, a beautiful version. And there's a wonderful live video of the Eagles performing this song on YouTube, check that out, from 1972. And then um, Randy Meissner, I also want to mention him, because I feel that his vocals on some of the songs 
sound so powerful, even more powerful than other guys' vocals. He really had this booming voice, but still kind of melancholic. And uh, he did a wonderful vocal performance of On Most of Us Are Sad. Very melancholy tune here. So overall, uh, another hit to mention before I sign off. Uh, peaceful, easy feeling. Now, some people find this um, kind of funny. You know that this one of the biggest hits by the Eagles is called "Peaceful, Easy Feeling," and again written by an outside songwriter, Jack Tempchin. This is one of the biggest hits by the band, and I think it's also a source of a lot of prejudice. You know how they're just this playing safe kind of band that's you know for. Uh, wide masses and so on. Partly true, but partly I feel that it really, uh, that kind of perspective really overlooks what's really great about this band. So, Alex, let's go to our ratings. Let me hear you first. Your favorite cut here and your rating. All right, Lana, I mostly agree with your, uh, with your assessments. Uh, a great record. Not much to, compl to complain about here. Um, I forgot to mention how good Take It Easy is. It's a great, great beginning of the record. Uh, and well, yeah, I love easy. the lyrics there. Sorry to interrupt you. I love the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, just uh, and, Jackson Brown. Guys, if you haven't heard Jackson Brown, check him out. One of the best songwriters of all time. Yeah, and finally, um, Peaceful, Easy Feeling, I think... That's the song where uh, the title says it. You know, the, the title says it all, I would say. Um, yeah, all right, for, so the rating... for better or worse, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the ratings, um, I would say 8.5 for now. Uh, I think it's a very good record. Um, not really, you know, almost flawless. Uh, maybe the rating will go up eventually. Uh, but for now, I'll stick with uh, 8.5. And my favorite song here is... Um, it's, it's kind of difficult to pick. I'll go with Nightingale, Vlada. All right. Um, hmm, uh, a really great debut record. But I think I agree with you about the rating 8.5. Even though some of the songs here are extremely strong. Take It Easy, especially. Train Leaves Here This Morning. Uh, witchy Woman, those three, I think I would single out those three songs. The others are also awesome. Most of Us Are Sad is another song that I always love to go back to. Sometimes certain songs kind of sound good, but a bit by numbers, like typical 70s stuff, like Trying, for example. But overall, uh, a great record, 8.5 is my rating too. And the best song, I will choose uh, oof, so hard, so hard, man. Between those three, I don't know. Maybe, okay, I'll choose Train Leaves here this morning. Just because people usually overlook that one. So, let's move on. And the next record we're talking about, we're going to skip some records. Unfortunately, we cannot afford covering their whole discography. So, we skipped some very significant records like uh, Desperado, One of These Nights... And we're going to the big one, to the big one, to the record that's not only one of the best-selling records of all time, uh, 
but the record that lost to rumors uh, at Grammys in 1978 for the best album of the years. Uh, so we're talking, of course, about Hotel California. So Alexander, Hotel California, when somebody says that, what, what do you think of? It's, it's a mega hit. I mean, you can hear it everywhere, everywhere even nowadays. Um, I have to say, apart from certain tracks, this album as a whole didn't sit well with me, I must say. Now, I know it's you know, one of the best-selling records. I know, I know. I, I can see it coming. coming. Um, I know it's, it's a huge record, but um, I think that this record is not better than the previous one. Uh, for the main, the, the main reason here is I thought it did sound at times. It sounded too cheesy, and the vocals here... The issue with the lead vocal uh, with the lead vocals here is bigger, I would say, compared to the previous record that we talked about. Now you still have some very good songs here. I was particularly uh, amazed by the last track called "The Last Resort," and um, it is said that this song is about how human beings are the true animals on this world because they are capable of destroying their environment and that that's a very that's a very cool not well not very cool that's a very important message and that's why i like this song particularly it is seven minutes long and it offers a lot uh, musically speaking still uh, a pretty good record to be honest I didn't pay much attention to the first uh, the first two tracks. Okay, Hotel California, the big one. I don't know. I've heard it a mil- million times before. So, you know, whatever. A new Kid in Town as well. But still, you have, you have some really good uh, tracks here, like Try and Love Again. Uh, I enjoyed it pretty much, particularly because of the, of the guitar solos there and the vocals, especially towards the end uh of the song um the backing vocals are just really really good uh when it comes to the other tracks so life in the fast lane um pretty maids all in a row all good tracks but as a whole maybe i just need to give this record uh another chance and uh, yeah that's it for now but how about you okay first of all i apologize i apologize okay to, to all the people listening to this, I mean, I don't know. So, some of these opinions are borderline travesty, uh, but... Whatever. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll tolerate it for now, just for the sake of the show. Uh, that's an interesting perspective, and of course, it was your first time listening to the record, so I will take it easy, as they said on the previous record. And, uh, okay, so this record is uh, very important to me. Uh, This is the record that I first heard when I was 14 or 15 years old. I remember buying the CD, knowing only, of course, the title track, but wanting to hear the rest. I was really curious about Eagles, given that I really loved old 60s and 70s rock, and Eagles were a household name, and somehow I... I didn't get around to listening to them at the time. So this was my first 
my first encounter with eagles. And at that time, there was no one to corrupt me with all these ideas how eagles are somehow too slick or too safe or whatever. I just enjoyed the music. I just focused on the music. And the music here is spectacular. Spectacular. And not just the music, but also the lyrics. And it's worth mentioning that Don Hanley is a very well-read guy who studied literature at the university. And he has a very peculiar writing style, very original, that has to be praised, especially on this record where he truly shines with lyrical content. And the title track, uh, the title track is a perfect example of this. Uh, to this day, people love discussing what it is about. There were even some strange ideas how it is about Satanism and God knows what. Uh, and this idea extended also to the album cover, where if you look at the back side of the album cover, allegedly, well, you can kind of see the silhouette. There's a silhouette in one uh, on the balcony next to one of the windows, and people say that that silhouette is meant to be Satan or some silly th theory like this. And of course, with this song, they were also making all kinds of wild guesses. But as Don Henley said, this song is about the underbelly of, of the society in California. And I think uh, I, I discussed uh, the lyrics with my girlfriend Asha, also uh, a member of our team here. So prior to the episode, we discussed the lyrics. And we agree that it's mostly about this rich Hollywood-style life that once you become a part of it, you can never fully uh, detach yourself from it. How people in that kind of hedonistic lifestyle have a tendency to destroy either people around them or themselves. And I think this is perfectly captured with the lyrics. Um, just amazing. For example... Uh, lyrics like, her mind is Tiffany twisted. She got the Mercedes Benz. She got a lot of pretty, pretty boys she calls friends. Like, the Tiffany twisted. I was like, what, is, what does that mean? And then, of course, Tiffany is a jewelry company. So basically, it talks about excessive materialism uh, of this society. Then there's some uh, very ambiguous lyrics like, so I called up the captain, please bring me my wine. He said, we haven't had that spirit here since 1969. So this is a nice play, uh, uh, play with words, where the spirit can mean an alcoholic drink, but also spirit, uh, we haven't had that spirit since 1969. I think it's one of the recurring topics uh, in the music of the 70s, that destruction of the innocence that came after the legendary Altman concerts uh, in 1969 where Hell's Angels killed several people. Uh, or was it one person? Yeah, it was one person. But still, there was a gruesome murder taking place at that festival. And that kind of destroyed this illusion of love and peace uh, that existed in the 60s. So this is another reference to that destruction of innocence and illusion. So really fantastic suburb i'm not i don't have time to go through all the lyrics that i'm fascinated with so i just alexander sorry for uh launching into this kind of monologue i just want to mention some other tracks here uh, dear listeners you will also forgive me this record simply means a lot to me and i think to this day it's one of the best records i've ever heard 
New Kid in Town is another number one song that they had. Um, kind of a commercial sounding song, a bit uh, lightweight compared to most other ones on the record, but absolutely stunningly well performed. Uh, what I really love about this track, uh, not only that the arrangement is so perfectly done, but at the end of the song, there's this part where they all come in with backing vocals in harmony. It just elevates you. It's just one of the greatest, one of the greatest vocal performances that I ever heard put to tape. It's so uh, beautiful. And then the guitar work by both Don Felder and Joe Walsh, just out of this world. And speaking of Joe Walsh, okay, Joe Walsh is the guy who joined the Eagles on this record. So he wasn't present on the previous ones. And he was already a very well-established artist, both with his band, the James Gang, and uh, Barnstorm later on, and as a solo performer. And here he adds this edge to the band. The band all of a sudden became more of a rock-sounding band rather than country rock. Wouldn't you agree, Alex, that there's a certain sound change here? To be fair, I'm not too sure about that. Um, I will have to listen to the record again in order to kind of get the same impression. But for now, I don't really, I can't really recall that that moment, Vlada. But like songs like Life in the Fast Lane, Victim of, of Love. Um, yeah, also, there is a certain switch, you know, in the atmosphere. Solos. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just not sure if it's, as you said, more of a rock, uh, I don't know, more of a hard rock feel than country rock. But there is definitely some sort of uh, change there, I would say. I mean, there are still elements of country rock, like the new kid in town, try and love again. But it seems like the, the sound is overall edgier. And what I like to, um, I like to call this period of the band the, the cocaine period, because a lot of it sounds kind of cocaine influenced. And uh, there are even direct references to cocaine in the songs themselves. For example, uh, in Life in the Fast Lane, uh, he says, uh, she's got lines on the mirror, she's got lines on her face. Uh, I love that kind of... Uh, this record just perfectly captures that whole atmosphere of the 70s, California, uh, high society, rock stars, uh, hedonism, and, you know, the, the searching for meaning under all of this. And Hanley perfectly, in his lyricism, he perfectly exposes the how vacuous all this is, how empty uh, this whole Hollywood scene is. Um, I don't know. It's very hard to talk about this record. Then we have Wasted Time. And this might be the best arrangement they've ever done. Uh, the strings, the guitars, both Joe Walsh and Don Felder, a beautiful breakup song. And what they did here also is they repeat the melody of the song in a in a string arrangement. So what did you think about this little touch? Um, to be honest, Waste Time, I can remember it as one of the tracks that I um, didn't really like, to be fair. Oh, well, each to his own, as they say. And of course, Joe Walsh, uh, which um, Joe Walsh, who I think is a phenomenal songwriter, 
unfortunately brings only one song, Pretty Maids All in a Row. Okay, of course, he also co-wrote Life in the Fast Lane, but he sings only one song, and it really stands out for that reason for me, because I absolutely adore Joe Walsh. Guys, check out his 70s output. Uh, I think it's even better than the Eagles' output uh, themselves. Uh, That's much different. take. Much different, I would say, in sound, in terms of sound. Uh, but I would say, in my personal opinion, he is the best songwriter in this band. But he's more of a guest here, so he only takes one song. And, you know, recently Bob Dylan talked about um, the Eagles, and he said that this is one of his favorite songs of all time. Imagine Pretty Maids All in a Row is one of Bob Dylan's favorite songs of all time. One of the highlights on this record. For sure. And it has, again, this beautiful string arrangements, this subtle guitar work. Uh, it has the backing vocals. Everything is there. It's so, so expertly done. And, you know, the band spent a, a year and a half working on this record. Imagine that's quite a long time. So it really drained them out. But as a result, they got a near-perfect record. And, of course, The Last Resort, uh, I completely agree with you. Again, another lyrical masterpiece by Hanley, a song about the destruction, not just of nature, but of cultures, of colonialism in a way. There's a lot of different topics to cover here. Uh, a lot of it is open to interpretation. So, again, definitely uh, here the Eagles got really serious, I feel, the, the messages of the songs are very uh, honest and, and convincing and genuine, unlike maybe some of the songs like Peaceful Easy Feeling, you know, on the previous record. So that's what I really love about this record. So, Alexander, any, any words from you? Anything you would like to add? Um, I, I would just say that your observation of Hotel California is... Um, really, really interesting, really insightful, and it would be really interesting to kind of take a closer look at that. Um, I don't think that, that's, that that song sounds good, but uh, deep inside it has uh, a very important meaning. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Wait, that's wait, it for... wait, what did you think about that wonderful guitar interplay at the end of Hotel California where, when Walsh and Felder go at it together. Wasn't that fascinating to hear? Yeah, it was, but it, it's one part of the song. You can say, you know, that uh, they displayed power there. They're really good guitar guitar work. But as a whole, you know, maybe, I don't know. I've heard okay. it so many times and, and I kind of feel, I don't know. I kind of feel when you talk about it, when you talk about a song, when I just heard what you think of it, I, I don't really get why it is so popular. Why is it so mainstream if it has such, you know, such strange and, and uh, let's say, disputed lyrics? Because the lyrics are such that they hit you right in the gut. Even though they're open to interpretation, they obviously paint a picture of, of these lost individuals searching for meaning uh, about this despondence this kind of disillusionment 
and, and it's, it's, it speaks a lot on a certain human level. And it's not just that, but the song is damn catchy. You have this kind of flamenco-influenced uh, riff, and then it, it kind of segues into this sort of reggae, fake reggae thing. And uh, fake reggae. <laughs> the chorus is, is extremely, uh, extremely catchy, like a true earworm, if you ever hear one. So uh, the guitar solos, I mean, what more can be added to that? Like the guitar solos are just blistering. And especially when Joe bends that note, I mean, just watch the live version, please. Please, please. Uh, dear listeners, while he was talking a minute ago, I literally had my head in my hands. You know, as, as uh, Don Hanley wrote in Wasted Time, you know, like, with your head in your hands. Yeah, that was literally me a minute ago listening to this kind of interpretation completely devoid of passion, of interest, of just, like trashing the song yeah i get that it's overplayed i get that people get tired of it but we're talking about uh we're talking about the quality of the tune you know we don't care about these external societal uh influences and when it comes to that this is very hard to beat even though on this record personally i might prefer uh wasted time or even the last resort depending on how i feel but Hard to beat this song. All right. Okay. Um, let's get to the ratings. Um, probably the most exciting part about this this record, <laughs> uh, giving ratings. So, okay, guys. As you heard, I wasn't too impressed with this. Maybe I need more time with it. Maybe I was just alienated with some of the uh, some of the popular tracks. You just hate the um, Eagles. That's it. No, I don't hate it. And, and to, to be honest, um, I didn't really know all of that, all of those stories that you mentioned in the intro about, you know, how Eagles are notorious for, for some reason, how some musicians don't like them. Didn't know any of that. So I was kind of listening to this just like when you were listening uh, at the age of 14 with, with with a fresh pair of ears, so, so to say. That didn't yeah, go so, so well. Um, didn't go so well, exactly. So uh, my standout track here is the last one, uh, The Last Resort. I think it's a marvelous track, a very good lyrical content. So check that out. And the rating here is, okay, here we go. I know that it's a massive record. I know that Vlada will go crazy about it, but that's my taste. That's my current rating, and I'm not going to lose my sleep over it. So my rating for this record is 7 out of 10. All right, I forgive you. I'm giving this um, uh, maybe 9.5. Um, I was kind of That's strung ridiculous. between 9 and 9.5. No, it's not ridiculous because here's why. It has several songs that, are, that just gave me chills while I was listening today. And imagine it gave me chills after all this time and listening to this record for more than 20 years. And still I get chills. At particularly Hotel California. Wasted time. Gave me huge chills all over. Like the entire song. New Kid in Town. That vocal part at the end. That always gives me chills. And then uh, Pretty Maids All in a Row. Joe Walsh. 
His whole records give me chills. He's, he's a master. Okay, so there's no doubt in my mind that this record is far more deserving of praise that, that some people are willing to give it. And I'll give it 9.5. I don't care if the Eagles are not cool. This is an absolute marvel of a record. And All right, yes, Florida. the favorite yeah. song, the hardest part, I would say, All right. Wasted Time. You? Uh, the Last Resort. The as I said. Yeah, yes. Okay, sorry. Okay, no so worries. now that we covered this big one, we're going to the record that they made afterwards. Now that they were the biggest band in the world and all that, they had a tremendous amount of pressure to deliver another Hotel California. And in this case, it's called The Long Run, and it failed. In my opinion, this record did not deliver the goods. Was Let's it a, hear your thoughts, Vlada. Was it a good record? Yes. It was a good record. But did it live up to the expectations set by the previous one? Or some other ones as well. Like Desperado was a fantastic record too. Or the debut record and so on. No, not at all. You may even make a case that this might be the weakest of their 70s album, albums. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But let's go, let's go through the tracks, okay? So what happened here? First of all, Randy Meisner got kicked out. Okay, so this I don't like this change. I think that Randy was perhaps even the best vocalist in the band, Try and Love Again, we had on Hotel California, maybe not one of the best tracks, even though I think Alex said it was one of his favorites, but the vocals were so top-notch, also uh, on the debut record, too. So he's out, and instead they bring in Timothy B. Schmidt from the band Poco. Now, I want to mention Poco because Poco were often compared to the Eagles as a less popular but similar band, and many people believed more authentic. So Poco was another great band. In some ways, they might have been better than the Eagles, but um, and, and never really got that kind of popularity. So if you like the Eagles and you want to hear something similar, listen to Poco. And I think Randy Meisner actually joined Poco, so it was kind of an exchange. So Timothy B. Schmidt comes in, and as soon as he comes in, he records a hit song. And that's I Can't Tell You Why, which is the second track on the album. Wonderful falsetto vocal performance by Timothy B. Schmidt. Very different from Randy. So while Randy's gone, this was a very nice uh, rendition, a great song, great performance, a great way to start your career in a big band. And again, another thing that I like about the Eagles is that they were kind of democratic. Uh, this was a new member. They immediately gave this member a massive spot on the record, a single. I think I can't tell you why might have been the first or the, the second single of the album. So that's really nice that they were willing to let other members shine, even though they were not necessarily there from the beginning. We had Joe Walsh on the previous record, of course, as a newcomer. And here Joe Walsh again delivers the goods in the city, a song famous, made famous by the film The Warriors. So you out there who love old 
classic films. You all know the Warriors from the 70s in the city was specifically written for that film and it was originally his solo song, but here it was included on the band's record as well. A great, great tune, another highlight, typical Joe Walsh, very rocking tune. Uh, he has two sides to him. One is this rocking side, and he's great at it, you know, a fantastic uh, riff master. But then you have his more melancholy, uh, gentle side, very sad side of his that you can find on his solo records. And I think that gets overlooked a bit because most people just know him from the Eagles. But the rest of the record kind of goes through motions for me, you know. Uh, King of Hollywood is another interesting cut because of the topic it covers. And that's uh, all this uh, corruption in Hollywood where actresses have to sleep with producers to get ahead. Of course, this topic was very prominent recently with Harvey Weinstein and all that. So, Alexander... Did you did you catch this tune and the topic that they were discussing? Um, this tune is absolutely my highlight. You know, I, I, I thoroughly oh, okay. enjoyed this this tune and uh, both musically and lyrically speaking. Like I was just blown away by it. I opened up the lyrics on Google. Um, I was reading them and enjoying the music. Uh, everything was working with this track, which doesn't really happen with the rest of the record. So that's why I'm saying that this is this is the highlight. Yeah, I, I also think it's one of the highlights. Maybe not as good as uh, In the City or I Can't Tell You Why, even though that's kind of uh, relative, of course. And I totally agree with you that it's a great cut, great tune. Uh, but... You know, uh, I mean, most of this stuff is okay. The Disco Strangler, kind of forgettable. I enjoyed it, but now if you ask me about it, I don't remember much other than some interesting guitar work and some like kind of new sounds for the Eagles, a bit more late 70s style. Uh, then uh, Heartache Tonight is kind of Eagles by numbers. So, oh, this, I think, was the first single of the record, and it was a hit, but to me, it's a completely boring song. Not necessarily bad, but just boring. Very Eagles by numbers, you know, something that you would expect the Eagles to do. Kind of a throwback to their early days, but not a good one at, uh, at that, in my opinion, at least. Uh, Teenage Jail was cool. I like that one. Uh, again, yeah, teenage, I, I... Teenage Jail... It's it's um it's times reminded me of Black Sabbath a bit. Yeah, I I I can see why, even though I'm not like 100% certain, but I think that uh, the guitar work is absolutely amazing on that one, and also throughout the record, Felder and and Walsh really add a lot of texture to the songs, so they they kind of save the songs at times. Um, the Greeks don't want no freaks. Honestly, I forgot this song. I don't remember it right now. Really, it's so catchy. I, I felt that I that I heard this song before. It's really catchy. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe I, I need to give it another listen. But just that's the thing. Like this record doesn't really stay with me so much. I listened to it before, of course, and now when I listen to it again, most songs just kind of sounded like I never heard them before. 
I just remember them very vaguely. Uh, the Sad Cafe is an interesting tune, kind of reminiscent of The Last Resort, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, in a way, uh, it actually um, has a very interesting addition here, which is the sax. It has that sax solo, which is really cool. Um, maybe, I don't know, I'm not, you know, well acquainted with the Eagles, but maybe that's the first time that, I, that they actually incorporated uh, the saxophone, Vlada. I'm trying to remember. It could be, but I'm not so sure. But anyway, it's it's the great David Sanborn on the saxophone, uh, a jazz legend. So that's why it sounds so good. I think you can hear him on a lot of rock records by big names. And here his sound is unmistakable. As soon as I looked it up, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, it's David Sanborn. So great sax solo. And this song is actually about the L.A. music club called the Troubadour. And if some of you listened to our interview with a survivor member, Jeffrey, uh, he talked about his own experiences uh, playing in, in the Troubadour. So you may want to check that out. A legendary LA club. And this song is about, again, has that same topic of disillusionment. That's why it's called the Sad Cafe. How they were trying to change the world with their music. But at the end of the day, not much has changed. But it also has a bit of a positive note about musicians being together in a certain community, sharing things with each other. So a really great uh, ending track, I think, kind of totally similar agree. to The Last Resort in Hotel California. Maybe not as good as those, but I think it was an absolutely wonderful tune, especially because of that sax solo, too. Uh, so, Alexander, any thoughts on your part? Yeah, um, I mostly agree with you. Um a somewhat forgettable record. Uh, I would also add that this record sounded like a mishmash. This was a mishmash record in my ears for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like you have, you have something to add? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just going to agree with you because a lot of songs sound disjointed. Like in the city, doesn't sound like it belongs to the record, for example. And yeah. I can't tell you why. Too kind of like sounds completely different than the rest of the stuff. And um, the band really struggled at this time to deliver the goods. It, it took them more than two years to actually record this. And most of the time, they didn't have enough material. And it, to me, it's interesting that Joe Walsh alone had fantastic material that came out a year before on uh, his record, But Seriously, Folks, um, which is a much superior record to this one. So I urge you to check that one. If you feel disappointed with this one, go and check Joe Walsh's, but seriously, folks. All right. Um, another thing that I want to say here is um, I actually want to go back to the uh, mishmash stuff and the inconsistency here. Like, okay, we, you have the title track, Long Run. Quite forgettable, I would say. I can't tell you why in the city. Good tracks. Then the Disco Strangler, don't really remember that track, King of Hollywood, as I said, my highlight, absolutely. And then, King of Hollywood is followed by Heartache Tonight, which is so boring that I was like, <laughs> hey, is this a compilation? 
Like I was, yeah. I was really unsure. Like Cardiac tonight, then you have those shoes, which is kind of better. Uh, Teenage Jail, I was, um, it, it was relief. Uh, I, I, kinda, must, I, must I like say. Teenage Jail, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, overall, it it's, that... it's, it's not so bad. The record is kind of okay. But it, as you said, it's just so disjointed. It doesn't feel like there was a concept. Like Hotel California, it feels like there's a concept behind it. The tunes are actually sort of connected to one another. Yeah, you just you just wonder, you know, what was going on here. But uh, the thing that saves the day here is that some of the tracks are just clear standouts and they are kind of getting killed by these other tracks. Uh, Teenage Jail, as I said, great track, reminds me of Black Sabbath in a way, because it's kind of dark, it has a really good guitar riff. Uh, the, Greeks, the Greeks don't want no freaks, it's really catchy. So, dear listeners, I'm pretty sure that you've heard this song before, uh, or maybe a song that kind of reminds you of that, I don't know, maybe that's the case. And The Sad Cafe, as you said, uh, a great finishing track, so... Overall, I can't say this is a bad record. I can't say that it, it's, I don't know, it's it's good and at best. It's I would okay, say. it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It has a couple of really great tunes in the city, I think. The Sad Cafe, uh, I Can't Tell You Why, A Nice Arrival of Timothy B. Schmidt, who is still with the band to this day. But to me, it's interesting how he arrived and then they broke up and then... He was the one who was invited to the reunion, not, for example, Randy Meissner. Um, so, yeah, but great singer, great musician. So, yeah, I would give it a 7, let's say 7.5. But I don't know, that might be too generous. What do you think? Um, I was kind of between 6.5 or 7. But when I hear some of these standard tracks, I kind of lean towards 7.5, then I kind of go back. So let's stick with 7, 7 out of 10. And the highlight here is King of Hollywood. Absolutely the highlight. Uh, in my opinion, the highlight is In the City. Because All I right, just love Joe Walsh yeah. so much. If I haven't mentioned that before, I'll mention it again. Oh, really? You like Joe Walsh? Wow. Yes, he's a, he's a hero. There you go. All right, so we finally got this wrapped up. Um, my final verdict on this, on this band is that uh, there are some unquestionable qualities, qualities about, this, about this band, uh, particularly their, um, their kind of talent, and they also managed to produce some really, really big songs, big hits, and uh, musically speaking, they're pretty much, you know, like a machine, everything works, mostly, except uh, with some other records that we just mentioned, um, especially the guitars, I want to praise that uh, once again, so um, I'm really glad that I had a chance to discover this band, because it's not, it's not mentioned so much nowadays um, apart from Hotel California which I think is unfair uh, guys as much as I didn't like Hotel California as an album I think this is definitely a band worth listening to um, and uh, I'll probably go back to some of the records and figure out if some of my ratings were too low 
um, I kind of want to uh, um, be a friend with Vlada again, <laughs> which I'm not sure about after this episode. So that's it's the okay. It's, it, it's it's okay. It's not Pink Floyd. When we do Pink Floyd, if you give low ratings to Pink Floyd, that's it. But with Eagles, I can forgive you. Yeah, because the Eagles are not that big, so to say. And I was kind of I mean, they are really because... big, you know. And that's the thing that you mentioned, like people know the Eagles by Hotel California. But no, they also know them by many other tracks, too. I think it might be that your generation primarily knows them by Hotel California as that song which stood the test of time the most, right? Uh, honestly, I would say that my generation doesn't even know about the Eagles, but that's another story, I guess. <laughs> um, the, yeah, they, they know the... about what, what, his, what is his name? Billie uh, Eilish? No, no, no. Abuba Corelli. <laughs> oh no no sorry that, that's trying... more of a local reference sorry guys <laughs> that's really bad all right so um th there's one thing that kind of confused me uh vlada that you said you said that they were uh one of the biggest if not if not the biggest band in the 70s so not all time like pink floyd for well, example what i meant was kind of commercially you know not necessarily the best, you know, like I wouldn't claim the Eagles are the best or anything like that, but commercially they were one of the biggest acts, you know, alongside Led Zeppelin and Floyd was quite big too, but I think, uh, I'm not sure if Eagles sold more records in the 70s or not. Fleetwood Mac, we already talked about, was also a huge seller. So these are like, commercially speaking, the biggest acts of the 70s. Okay, got it. All right, so Vlada, any, any final words from your side? Well, uh, I'm just really happy that we covered the Eagles. And of course, it, this might be one of our longest episodes because I felt that there was much to talk about, especially uh, when it comes to Hotel California, one of my favorite records of all time. So I just want to thank our listeners for staying with us for this long hour of listening to us talking about the eagles of all bands and uh, is, I it, hope is it uh, an hour long yes, yes definitely uh we are uh, we are into uh the second hour of the show wow that's special all right well we'll see once it gets edited and you, and when you edit out all the bad things they said about you, it might be like only thirty minutes. Who knows? <laughs> Good one. All right, thank you, dear listeners. We'll see you again next week. Please take care. Listen to some great music. Alex, any final words on your part? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, remind our listeners to uh, take a look at our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you want to stay uh, updated with all the, the funny stuff and all the news about Sunrise, you can follow us over there. And also, if you want to be able to vote and suggest your own band, please consider joining our Patreon community. You can join it for as little as $1 per month. That would mean the world to us, guys. So uh, stay safe, take care, and we'll, we'll see you in a week.
write a review, and then you can share it. With the world. In any social media platform. And then your friends see it, and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and CastBox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day. Which is on the 8th of every month, of every year, of every century, of every... You get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. Because podcasters work their butt off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives. And you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good. Does it? It lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. Write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. Pod Rev Day. Because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag Pod Rev Day. P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y.